On Tuesday of this week, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a champion for women's rights on the Supreme Court, was laid to rest at her funeral. She spent her whole career striving to dismantle barriers for women in the workplace. And just three weeks before her death, a major glass ceiling was shattered for women in business. Jane Frazier was named the first female CEO for a major Wall Street bank at Citibank. But does the fintech industry still have a long way to go to establish full equality for women? In this edition of Fintech Friday, Women Leaders in Fintech. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on October 2nd, and this is Fintech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. 54% of the workforce in financial services is made up of female workers, yet only 20% of the executive leadership positions are held by women, according to a 2019 study by Catalyst. In the tech industry, the numbers are even worse. Only 26% of the workers are women in that industry, and over 50% of those women report being discriminated against because of their gender. So you can bet that at the intersection of finance and technology, e.g. fintech, we probably also have some significant areas of improvement. Today on the show, we take a personal look at the issues faced by female executives in fintech by speaking with two women who have successfully made it to the highest echelons of our industry. They share their insights on the challenges they faced, but also the successes they have had in their careers, as well as offering some practical advice on how we can increase recruitment, representation, and promotion of women executives in our fintech industry. Erin Warren is the general manager of the Rakuten in-store business, and she's a tenured executive, having previously served in several high-profile roles at banks and loyalty companies. She's also the president of the U.S. Lose Association and a two-time Olympian. We're also joined by Sarah McCrary. She's the CEO of GasBuddy, one of the most popular travel and payment apps on the Apple App Store, with over 90 million downloads. She previously served in several senior roles in large payment companies. Good morning, Erin. You're speaking to us from Boston. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Silvio. So excited to be chatting with you today. Likewise. And we also have Sarah. And Sarah, you're in Boston too today, right? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Happy to join you. Well, it's great to speak with both of you, both very well-known leaders in the industry. Aaron, you are the president of the U.S. Lose Association, a two-time Olympian, and also general manager and SVP at Rakuten. And Sarah, you're the CEO of GasBuddy, one of my favorite travel apps. And we're excited to talk about a, a topic that is really coming up much more frequently in our industry and in our country, which is the topic of women executive leaders in the boardroom and specifically in finance and technology. So we passed a huge milestone this past week with Jane Frazier being appointed the CEO and president of Citigroup, the first woman to be appointed CEO of a major Wall Street and money center bank. It's amazing, but I think many people feel like it's too late. It's already 2020, and this is the first time it's happening. So she's shattered the glass ceiling 
But people often talk about a glass cliff, and this is where a woman and sometimes a minority executive is asked to take on maybe an impossible challenge, an impossible business challenge. And so the thought is if they don't do it, then they kind of fall off the glass cliff. If they succeed, like Jane Frazier has, obviously they get promoted. Talking about your own career experiences, have you ever faced a a glass cliff? Do you think that's a, a real thing? Sarah, let me start with you. Yeah, I'm familiar with that concept, and I recognize a lot of my own career in that concept, in the way that I have been able to take on challenges and new opportunities, because I think there were maybe more senior, more experienced people that passed on them because they felt like it was too risky to their career to take on something and then maybe fail at it. Whereas from my perspective, I was knocking on the door, looking for opportunity and willing to take a risk of failure in order to get my foot in and try something bigger than what I had done before. I don't know if it's because of a systemic, I don't know, bias, or it's just because when you're looking to be scrappy and take advantage of opportunities that other people are passing up, you end up in those roles. But I have had at least four progressions in my career happen because I raised my hand and was willing to step into those. And I would say it also came with the idea of like, don't be afraid to fail. Those two concepts kind of go together for me. Great insight. You're a risk taker and rewarded for that. Erin, what do you think about this glass cliff idea? Is it a thing? I think anytime you talk about trailblazers and you talk about people who are stepping up like Jane Frazier to, to lead gigantic corporations and take on these uh, huge opportunities, you're talking about gender aside, right? Minority status aside, it comes down to, it's about their person, right? Are they willing to take on these daunting challenges? And and I would just argue that, you know, a lot of women who have gotten to the, to the level that Jane has gotten is because she is a trailblazer, right? There's something inside of her that says, to Sarah's point, I'm going to take on the challenge that nobody else will take on, right? And there's going to be some risks and there's going to potentially be some uh, some rewards, right? More opportunity will come my way, but I've got to be willing to put myself out there. And I think of just how inspiring that is to a whole generation. And is it too late? Yeah, probably. But rather than focus on that, I want to focus on the great message that's going out there now to young women out there who can look at this and say, wow, you know what, if I take challenges and take risks, there may be potential upside if I really do my best and really throw myself into the opportunity. We think about the financial services and technology industries as notoriously lacking in women leaders. That's starting to change. And I you know, sort of think back to the Cardlinks Association when it was established six and a half, seven years ago. We didn't have a very good representation of women leaders. And, you know, I look now at the last two years and we see just an amazing group of really women leading the industry. Both of you actually have been named top 20 women in leaders in digital commerce. So there's a lot of glory now and there's some great advancements. But I want to ask you to look back at your own careers. Erin, maybe you could kick us off here. Have you faced any challenges as a woman leading in the finance and technology industry? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. And, you know, there's there's one example that I can recall when I was VP of uh, channel marketing at a large financial services company. And I remember being in the room at a particular meeting and there were probably 20 people in the room. And I remember like it was yesterday looking around the room and all of a sudden having this realization that every other person in the room besides me was a white man wearing almost the exact same outfit between 45 and 55 years old. And they were all from the same area. And I was the only female. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, look at this. This is just wild to see that there was nobody that looked like me. But I would say outside of that, I have always been the kind of person that stayed very focused on my own personal obstacles, on the things that I could control. So it was always about framing things in terms of what I could do to overcome the obstacles. So how could I have presented something better? How could I think about something differently? And so when I think of obstacles, I tend to go very internal and think, what are those things that I could focus on to be better the next time I am in this particular situation? Yeah, focusing on the things you control. A really great anecdote, too, there about being the only person in the room that looked like you. Sarah, you are the CEO of a very large and fast-growing tech company. And, you know, tech has had its own fair share of challenges as well. And I think if I looked at the top five apps on the Apple store, you'd probably be in the travel segment, probably the only top app that's actually led by by a woman CEO. If you look back at your career, have you had some challenges that were unique to you coming up? I think the challenge I had to recognize in order to deconstruct it and overcome it was the challenge of being seen as credible. Because as Aaron pointed out, when you don't look like everybody else in the room, you're starting a little bit further behind in the credibility signals. Credibility is established very rapidly. So how do I project credibility? How do I build my reputation, my personal brand? Recognizing the self-limiting thoughts that I was bringing to the table. There are many different paths to that, but one of them was through mastery, expertise. And so what I had to do was one, stop the self-limiting thoughts, stop being afraid of being wrong, but put my voice out there, take ownership of my perspective so I could overcome that deficit in credibility. It took me a few years of, of just practicing that. And now in my position of leadership, how do I make sure that I'm reaching behind me and bringing more people up that have a different perspective and a different experience and encouraging them to also find a way to deconstruct some of those obstacles in their way. Great insights and and actually very practical approaches. Now, I think as a society and as an industry, we want more women leaders in fintech. And there are a couple of different perspectives about what are the obstacles to having more women leaders. You know, on the one hand, uh, we had Charlie Scharf, the CEO of Wells Fargo, who I happen to work with at, at Visa. He was criticized in the past week because he basically said the problem with diversity is that, you know, there are not enough African-American talented executives in the pipeline. And he was just talking specifically about African-American and but I, I think more generally diverse executives. On the other hand, you know, we lost 
basically an icon of women's rights in the past week, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she had this famous quote that she said, you know, women don't expect preferential treatment. We just ask that you take our foot off of our neck, right? So it's about removing obstacles. And I'm paraphrasing what she said. And so, Erin, I'd like to ask you the question, what is the problem? What is the obstacle to getting more women in fintech and leadership positions? Is it the supply issue or is it active obstacles from the industry? I'm a huge advocate that diversity creates the strongest teams. And I think actually, to your point, Silvio, diversity can mean, means a lot of things, right? It can mean gender diversity, racial diversity, it can mean experience diversity. And I think if every leader or hiring manager or project manager started from the perspective of how do I create the strongest, most diverse team that's capable of solving the most problems in innovative ways, you would see a lot more women specifically in more senior roles within fintech, but I would also say just other kind of diverse candidates, right? You'd get more people problem solving because I don't think any team does well when you're getting 10 answers that all look and sound the same. When we start to appreciate those diverse points of view and diverse contributions, then that will start to become a value that then gets propagated. Sarah, what's your perspective? Is it about a lack of supply of talented women leaders, or is it just the fact that it's a hostile environment and we just need to take the foot off the neck, as the late justice said? So I think it is both. Why doesn't the career path attract more impactful women and more impactful minority candidates? They're not attracted to it because of the systemic obstacles, if I could say it that way. I was the first gas buddy U.S. employee to require parental leave. So we put together a parental leave policy that I felt very strongly had to allow for either gender to take off a substantial amount of time at the arrival of their child. And it was really important to focus on the male gender side of the equation. By doing that, you start to remove the bias that women are the only employee group that will take off a substantial amount of time for maternity leave or for parental leave. That is like such a small example of what one company like GasBuddy can do. And I know that there are a lot of big companies that are moving in that direction or have already moved in that direction. But that's how I like to think about these questions. You gotta make some structural changes. There's some practical things we have to do to make it more attractive for those candidates to come into the candidate pool. Very helpful. Now, I'd love for you to both talk to young women that are starting out their careers. My daughter is a very high-powered teenager right now. She's thinking about her career choices, and she occasionally listens to the podcast. And I just would ask you to imagine all the other women starting out in their careers or thinking about a career in fintech. You guys have made it. You guys are very successful in your fields, well-known, well-respected. What advice would you give to them as they think about a career in financial services or technology or both? Sarah, maybe I'll start with you. My advice would be regardless of the industry, don't be afraid to be wrong. When you're wrong, you find out quick and you can learn fast. I really do believe that one of the ways to grow your career is to accelerate the pace in which you learn. Don't be afraid to get your voice out at the table And that's how these opportunities that Aaron and I were talking about will come to you. Then don't be afraid to take that risk. Don't be afraid to fail. 
Don't be afraid to fail. Great, great advice. Erin, what would you say to our podcast listeners or young women? And basically, they want to grow up to be like you and, and Sarah. I couldn't agree with Sarah more. It's about learning as much as you can and don't be afraid to be wrong for lots of reasons. Speak up, be direct. Too often, I feel like I have to coach a lot of young women to be direct because actually, I really do appreciate people who can have an opinion, even if that opinion is wrong and we need to explore other ways of thinking about things, that's fine. It shows that you've given some thought and that you're willing to take a little personal risk. And the other, I'd say more general feedback is to really understand the business thoroughly. Even though I was always historically on the marketing team and actually never intended to move over to the general management track, I was always really interested in understanding the fundamentals of the business. And I think that is incredibly important. I don't care what functional seat you sit in. You should know, really be proficient around how do you make money as a business? What are the levers for growth? How does the technology actually work? I think it makes you smarter in the day-to-day performance. Also, it demonstrates, to Sarah's point earlier, mastery. And I think it leaves you to be more open to innovative ideas on how you could take new approaches because you really understand the fundamentals. Great, great advice. Erin and Sarah, I just want to thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom with us and also for just being such amazing leaders and role models for our industry. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Silvio. Thanks, Silvio. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on women in fintech. It is rather sobering for many executives in our industry to realize that much more needs to be done to achieve full equity for men and women in the workplace, and especially in the fintech workplace. And while there's certainly a moral imperative to do better right now, there's also a practical, self-interested, profit-driven urgency to getting this right once and for all. That's because women represent at least 50% of the workforce. If we don't fully incorporate female leaders in key jobs and leadership positions, we're simply not delivering the best bottom line results for our companies. We're missing out on half of our workforce and talent pool and half of our best business ideas. To make this real, imagine a tennis player trying to win the U.S. Open or Wimbledon with one hand tied behind her back. Nobody would try that. Yet companies that don't fully harness the talents of women are doing exactly that, trying to win the business prize with one hand tied behind their back. In many ways... The future belongs to the companies who successfully remove obstacles to the recruitment, retention, and promotion of women leaders. As we've heard on today's podcast, if we get this right as an industry, the future is indeed bright for fintech. For Fintech Friday from the Cardlinks Association, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.